Good day to you. I am Joe Honeyhockey, and I welcome you to the Heavenly Social, where I introduce you to our heavenly brothers and sisters, friends to help us on our journey and to inspire us to grow in virtue so that one day we'll be able to party with them in heaven. The beauty of the communion of saints is how much variety there is. I mean, every saint is a unique person, having gone through life here just like you and me. Now, some live more humble lives, with their effects being felt in a more local area, while others have dramatic effects on the greater church and even greater society, such that we still feel their influence today. A notable example would easily be St. Thomas Aquinas and his influence on Western philosophic thought. But I'm not talking about him today. Although, even St. Thomas had to begin somewhere. Even he was a student and was subject to the formation of his teachers. And it's one of these teachers that I'm going to talk about today. So, I ask you, do you struggle with reconciling religion and science? Or do you ever find yourself curious with the evolution of scientific thought? Well, then might I introduce you to St. Albert the Great. Intro. To kick things off, I'd like to say that another name for St. Albert is Albertus Magnus, which is just a Latin version of his name and title, but it's super cool and I enjoy saying it. Albertus Magnus. Hmm. You ever think about your own name like that? Josephus Magnus. Hmm. Well, I can, I can dream. I can dream. Anyways, he's the patron saint of medical technicians, the natural sciences, philosophers, scientists, and students. Regarding that last one, if you think about it, there's always something new to learn. So, in a way, we're always students. Which makes Albert truly a saint for everyone. He's also one of 36 doctors of the church meaning that he made significant contributions to theology or doctrine through his writings. When he was canonized, he was given the title Doctor Universalis, or the Universal Doctor. Why? Well, to understand that, we'll have to dive into his life. So buckle in. Albert was born around the year 1200, as the eldest son of a wealthy Bavarian family in an area that's now Germany. As such, he received a good education. Beyond this, we don't really know much about his early life. But we know that he ended up studying at the University of Padua, where he was initially introduced to the works of Aristotle, an introduction that ended up shaping the future of all of Western philosophy. Well, after his studies, he was visited in a vision by the Blessed Virgin Mary, and this encounter was so strong that he resolved to enter religious life. Now, at the time, he was really inspired by the teachings of one Jordan of Saxony, who was the head of the Dominican order at the time. So, it follows that St. Albert joined that order. 
One benefit of being a Dominican was that Albert was free to travel, since his responsibilities weren't tied to a parish or a monastery. Now, this was excellent for him, because he ended up studying and teaching throughout the region, garnering a lot of attention from his contemporaries. It was near the beginning of this time that Albert wrote the Summa de Bono, after he met and discussed theology with a fellow by the name of Philip the Chancellor. Now, this was important because Summa was a writing style that was becoming very popular at the time. It was still fairly new. Now, a Summa basically serves to sum up a topic or topics, and it follows a particular formula where the author would present views contradictory to their claims and then offer evidence to refute them. Very simply speaking. Now, the reason I say that this is important is because Albert will eventually have a student that ends up crafting the greatest example of a Summa ever. And you probably know who that is. But before I tell you, firstly, our St. Albert goes to the University of Paris in 1241 to further his studies. Now, a little fun fact here. St. Albert the Great was a contemporary of a friar named Roger Bacon. Bacon, for those who don't know, is delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was dumb. But Roger Bacon is oftentimes the guy credited with establishing the modern scientific method. Right, so Roger Bacon actually did not like St. Albert. I mean, he, yeah, no, the, he, he, did, he didn't like St. Albert. And he actually thought it a, a, a travesty that St. Albert was asked to teach at the University of Paris. But for that, yes, St. Albert went to the University of Paris in 1241 to further his studies. Well, four years later, in 1245, he graduated as a Master of Theology, which was kind of a big deal because he was the first German Dominican to achieve that title. Well, after this, he was able to teach at the university. And there is, one, where Roger Bacon thought it was an absolute travesty, but two, that's where the fateful encounter that would fundamentally change, well, not fundamentally, because the, the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ, but would drastically change the direction of the church it was among St. Albert's first students that a Dominican named Thomas Aquinas would attend. So this, I'll touch up a little bit more on this later. But it was during his time teaching at the university that Albert took up the monumental task of presenting the entire body of knowledge on natural science, logic, rhetoric, mathematics, astronomy, ethics, economics, politics, and metaphysics. Whew. Now, for those who don't know, metaphysics is the philosophical study whose object is to determine the real nature of things, to determine the meaning, structure, and principles of whatever is, insofar as it is. Now, that's according to Encyclopedia Britannica. So, basically, in my own words... Metaphysics seeks to answer the why of things. You could consider it the study of broader reality 
conceptually as opposed to empirically, which is the foundation of science and scientific thought. Well, amongst all of this, he also worked on writing commentaries on the Bible and on all of Aristotle's works, which I should mention that metaphysics is an Aristotelian concept, just to kind of give you an idea of how this is all tied together for Albert. Uh, it's also actually super cool because uh, Albert was the first who actually wrote commentaries on all of Aristotle's works. Okay, now, you see, during this time, and why this is all kind of a big deal, is uh, the works of Arabic scholars uh, commenting on the Greek philosophers like Aristotle and Plato were spreading through Europe at the time. Well... Also, at this time, study of these philosophers in Europe was minimal, or even outright banned, such as in Paris, but, I mean, that obviously changed. Well, th what happened was that uh, there was a lot of misinformation, misinformed teachings, and errors. So, individuals like St. Albert saw the need to more critically study the works of the past in order to defend dogma. So what ended up resulting from all this is something known as scholasticism, which, despite how it sounds, it isn't a philosophy, but rather it's a different way of thinking. So w what it did is that it stressed making inferences and it favors discussions between people with opposing viewpoints with the expressed purpose of uncovering truth. Now, I think the world would really benefit if this kind of thinking came back, as it actually faded from universities around the 1700s. But I should mention that our St. Albert was kind of among the main figures to really develop this manner of thinking. You could consider him one of the fathers of scholastic thought. I mean, this manner of thinking, might I also add, is kind of what laid the foundation for furthering the natural sciences. So, anywho, in 1248, Albert left to found a new Dominican university in Cologne. Thomas Aquinas went with him and served as the master of students for a few years before he ended up returning to Paris. Albert, on the other hand, remained and was given more responsibility in 1254 when he was made the provincial of the region there. Despite this, he was still able to continue his scientific work. Now, scientific work, I mean, he was making natural observations of the world. He wasn't like, I don't know, like test tubes or anything. I don't know, they probably didn't have test tubes at the time. Back to the point. Despite this, he was still able to continue his scientific observations. Well, kind of. He ended up resigning in 1257 so that he could focus on his work. And in 1259, he attended a general chapter of the Dominicans along with Thomas Aquinas. Well, together, and with some of their other contemporaries, they created a program of study for the Dominicans. Now, this program eventually saw the rise of what is now the preeminent theological college in the world, which is the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas. It wasn't called that at the time, because that probably would have been a little weird. But it is also known as the Angelicum. In 1260, 
Albert was again given more responsibility, and was made the Bishop of Ratisbon, also known as Regensburg. Out of obedience, he took the role very seriously, and even adhered the rules of his order, which actually resulted in him refusing to ride a horse, and instead walked everywhere on foot, which everyone at the time found super weird. As you might imagine, though, the time required to serve as bishop left little time for his other works, and so he petitioned to resign three years later in 1263. His resignation was accepted, and from then on he began to serve as a mediator for conflicts, one of which included the people of Cologne and their bishop, all of this while continuing his own studies. In 1274, Albert received word of the death of Thomas Aquinas, and he was so heartbroken that he's quoted to have said, the light of the church has been extinguished. His friend was so dear to him that it's also said that afterward he would cry whenever Thomas's name was mentioned around him. Well, Albert himself ended up passing away about six years later in the year 1280, he was beatified in 1622 and canonized in 1931 and at the time declared a doctor of the church. His feast day is on November 15th, and that is the story of St. Albert the Great. So there's two major things that really stand out to me. The first being a virtue that jumped out to me when studying Albert's life. That being the virtue of saintly companionship. The friendship between St. Albert and St. Thomas is beautiful. Not only did they challenge each other intellectually, but they were brothers of the same order and challenged each other to better live their faith. We hold the saints up as role models because there's something special about their lives. Something that we're able to look at and say, yeah, they did that right. Well, the friendship of St. Albert and St. Thomas is absolutely one of those things that we can definitely point to and say, yeah, yeah, they got it right. They brilliantly lived out the phrase from Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And as a result, they changed the future of the church and the Western world. Now... While you and I might not have such dramatic effects, it's worth remembering that their goal for each other wasn't to find glory in the world, but rather Albert and Thomas was first and foremost concerned with ensuring that the other would get to heaven. Now, I, I believe the reason the influence of these two has lasted so long is because they were only concerned with sharing truth with everyone so that everyone might enter heaven. Albert had an incredible mind, and he was clearly aware that his mind was a gift from God. And when you combine that gift with the desire to see other people in heaven, he was able to bring God to people, to everyone that he served. But even more incredibly, he saw the gifts of others and pushed and challenged them. Where other contemporaries of St. Thomas viewed him as a dumb ox, St. Albert saw the potential, saw the mind of St. Thomas, and did everything that he could to encourage that. This 
is friendship. This is what it looks like in a practical way to quote-unquote sharpen one another. It first starts with recognizing that everyone you encounter has a special God-given gift. Even if they themselves don't see it, it's there. And your duty as a friend is to help them see and develop that gift, to elevate them. Because it's through those gifts, it's through our gifts, that the glory of God shines bright. And as we're reminded constantly, the darkness of this world could definitely use some more lights. Like you. Now, I'd like to close things out with uh, the second thing that really stood out to me about St. Albert's life. And that's the complementary nature of science and faith. It's really a modern idea that the two are somehow opposed. And yes, there are examples of church members of the past acting negatively to scientific discoveries. But we see that kind of adverse negative reaction to scientific studies today, even amongst non-religious people. So, yeah... If science was opposed to religion and faith, then someone like St. Albert wouldn't be a saint, since he kind of helped lay the groundwork for natural scientific development. To simplify the distinction between faith and science, uh, I think of it something like this. Science is the how, and faith is the why. Both answer different questions, and together paint for us, we achieve a total picture. The implication, though, is that we need to be always searching for truth. It's imperative that we're right about these things, because if we're wrong or if we abandon either faith or science, we're going to get a very lopsided view of life, and it seems very clear that we're witnessing the effects of such lopsided views in both directions. Albert shows us what balance looks like, and shows us the power of cooperating with that balance. Ultimately, he shows us that walking the balance brings us to God, and forms us as saints. So before we go, here's a prayer that might help you if you should wish to grow closer to St. Albert. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O God, who gave us St. Albert as a perfect example of witness to the wholeness of your creation, inspire us to use our gifts according to your will, so that, like St. Albert, we may grow in saintly friendship and bring your light into the world. And we ask you, St. Albert the Great, to help us walk the balance of faith and science, so that we too may see the total glory of God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, that does it for this episode. Never cease being a student of the faith. And one day someone may just tell your story. Outro. But here... It is where there would be a faithfulness. Oh, goodness gracious. And even a here. And even a he. Oh, gosh. After covering an intellectual, I should probably cover someone on the other end of the spectrum.
maybe someone more physically oriented. Tune in next time. See ya.